meu viver. Hey, good morning. It's great to be here with you another morning to study the book of Colossians on a, on a Tuesday morning, Thanksgiving week. So just so you know, uh, stay tuned because we will have programming tomorrow. We'll have it on Thursday, Thanksgiving Day. We'll have it on Friday. Uh, we'll have it all week long. So, so just because it's Thanksgiving doesn't mean we're just going to ignore the Word of God. So, so stay tuned with us in the mornings. We'll be here and we'll have the Bible studies programming at 9 a.m. all the way through. And uh, we have some really good ones from... Pastor Kyung Kim, we have our friend Andy Hines, we'll have Pastor Rick, uh, so uh, be, look, be on the lookout for that, and happy Thanksgiving. Those of you from Hotel Church, just a reminder, obviously we're not going to meet this coming Thursday for Thanksgiving. Next week is December the 2nd, which is our Christmas dinner that we're doing at a place called the Georgia Club, so those of you listening from Hotel Church, just a reminder that we will not be at the Hampton Inn on December 2nd in Atlanta. We'll be at the Georgia Club to do the Christmas dinner, so make sure you come there. And we look forward to seeing you there. And then we'll be back at the Hampton Inn on December the 9th. Just a little announcement for, for our hotel church folks. Uh, and we look forward to that. So, moving on, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. A beautiful passage of Scripture where Paul talks about the supremacy of Christ. And uh, another, another really wonderful, just beautiful theological term is the preeminence of Christ. And so this is a, a classic passage that where Paul... Huh? Preeminence, what is that? Well, I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm not, <laughs> I introduce the term and then I talk about it. <laughs> so this is where, you know... If you remember, we talked about how this guy Epaphras, who planted the church in Colossae, which is in modern-day Turkey, starts to have some problems because some teachers come in and start to question the deity of Jesus. So then Epaphras, it kind of probably builds to a point to where Epaphras says, I need, to, I need a little assistance here. So he goes to Rome and he finds Paul and says, Paul, you know, I have all these things going on and all these, all these questions that... They're such good people. I mean, I just love them so much, but they're, they're a little confused about this and that. Can you help me sort of sort through how to address these issues? And Paul says, gets Timothy and all his, all his friends around him, and they talk about it, and then he writes this letter. They write this letter, and, and so one of the things Paul has to do is, is establish the idea that Jesus is the supreme power over all things. All things were created by Him and for Him, in fact, he existed before all creation, because that was, and that's the that, that that's what this is all about. The preeminence is the idea that Jesus is is outside of creation. He's not part of creation, because that was one of the arguments: is that Jesus is not God, Jesus is not divine, Jesus is uh, the Son of God in the sense that uh, he is a created being as the Son of God, but not God, not equal with God. Of course, and so Paul has to present this argument that 
that Jesus is divine. Jesus is God in the flesh. And, of course, we have other, other texts from the Bible that, that support this argument by Paul. Uh, and so that's sort of what's going on here. Um, now, I'm going to read the verses. That, that has a long introduction. So it's time to read the verses, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So let's go to Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 19. And I'm just going to read it real slow here so we can get, get the text because there's a, I mean, it's very beautiful language. So, talking about Jesus, verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He may have the preeminence, supremacy. For it pleased the Father that in Him all the fullness should dwell. Okay? So those are the verses that Paul presents to this church to establish the concept that Jesus is God. Jesus is not a created being. There are, Jesus is not in competition with other principalities and powers, whether they be heavenly beings, you know, powerful angels, or any earthly dominion or power. Jesus has the preeminence, meaning He's over all of it. He is supreme over all those things. He is outside of them. He's not in the mix trying to compete for power. I mean, Jesus reigns above all of it. He doesn't have to compete for power. Okay, so, the Scriptures inform us when we have a misunderstanding about who Jesus is. Okay? Now, there are two primary, uh, primary teachings, primary ways that False teaching will try to undermine the essentials of Christianity in terms of Jesus. One is you, you either try to deny the person and work of Jesus, deny His divinity, deny that He really is who He said He was, right? So you try to undermine who Jesus is, or you try to add to the work of Christ and say that, the cross, what Jesus did on the cross, plus doing this, brings you into the family of God. So those are the those are really the two ways that, and so it, it kind of helps because sometimes, sometimes when you hear things, you're not really sure how to judge if it's. So ask the question: If you hear something, and you're not sure if it's really good theology or not. Ask yourself the question: Does this does this person or this teaching? that I'm hearing, does it in any way deny or question the divinity of Jesus, the sonship of Jesus, who He claims to be, what the Bible says about Him? If so, it's in question. Secondly, does it try to add to the work of, cross, of the cross? Does it try to say that the, the cross of Jesus Christ plus this or that is what makes you right before God? If so, it's in question. Those are really the two categories you can keep in mind 
when, when you're hearing a new teaching and you're not really sure if it fits, ask those questions. Is this trying to undermine the personal work of Jesus or is it somehow trying to add to it? Okay, so, and then the Scriptures will inform us about that and tell us really who God is, and that's what Paul is doing. Now, there's a lot of debate. Who is Jesus, right? And that's really what this whole passage is about. Who is Jesus? I mean, if you ask a hundred people that question, you'll get a hundred different answers. A lot of them will be similar. There'll be a lot of similarities, but nobody's going to answer that in exactly the same way. And a lot of people say things like, he was a good man, right? He was a good teacher, really good teacher. Well, he was a healer. He was a prophet. Some people think he was a false prophet. He was a fake, right? Uh, some people say he was, he, he's actually just a legend. He was made up. Okay. Um, most people, though, would agree that Jesus is a historical figure, that a man named Jesus actually lived in Galilee in the first century A.D., and that he was a religious leader, he was a teacher, a miracle worker, he gained a large following, um, and that many people followed him even after uh, his death and resurrection and ascension. Okay, but then, you, okay, and of, and of course people might question those statements, but then you get to the question, okay, so whether, whatever you say about Jesus in terms of all these other things, is Jesus equivalent to God? Now, there is where you really get a major departure. Right there. Is Jesus equivalent with God? Is He equal to the Father and the Holy Spirit? And many stop short at this moment and are unwilling to confess that Jesus is God incarnate. They stop short and say, I'm not quite ready to say that Jesus is is the Son of God, the divine Son of God, who is equal in the Trinity Godhead. And so what about you? Have you come to a place where you have confessed that Jesus is God? Or are you still struggling with that question? You know, there's a lot of people in the church who still are not sure that they really believe that Jesus is God. God, that Jesus is equal to God. And so Paul in this passage is refuting the attempts to deny that the person of Jesus is God. Because all these guys had different arguments. And there's, there's actually the same arguments going on today. Jehovah's Witnesses? Jeho I, look, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just, it's true. Jehovah's Witnesses deny that Jesus is God. They say He's a created He's the first, he's created. He's a created being. Christian Scientology, Mormonism, and many other sects deny that Jesus is part of the Trinity and equal to the Father. And actually, there are many people, many church leaders in evangelical Christianity who have worked their way into leadership, and now I'm ruffling some feathers. But I'm doing it. But there are many leaders in evangelical Christianity today who have worked their way into leadership and they are denying or questioning the divinity of Jesus, saying He's not the Son of God. So, 
as from a sort of a pastoral heart to you, I need to tell you that you that you can't assume that just because it's a it's a Baptist pastor or a Methodist pastor or a uh, even Assemblies of God pastor. I mean, all denominations have uh, struggled with leadership coming in and then questioning the divinity of Jesus. I mean, that's one of the first things that is questioned. Because if you undercut the divinity of Jesus, then suddenly you can start picking and choosing. <laughs> whatever you want whatever you want to be is, is what it will be. It just opens the door for you to just then start. Because if Jesus... All right. I'm not there yet. Hold on. Okay. So, if Jesus is not God, then we are still separated from God. And this whole Christianity thing is futile and a hoax. If Jesus is not God, then we are still separate from God. God, God is spirit. John 4.24 God is invisible. 1 Timothy 1.17, Hebrews 11.27. And Jesus said to his disciples, He who has seen me has seen the Father. I mean, that's the claim of Jesus Christ himself. If you have met me, you have met the Father. In other words, me and the Father are one. He said that many times. Not, I'm a created being, and if you meet me, you have a good idea of what the Father is like. No. No, no, no. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're the same. Hebrews 1.3 says of Christ, and He is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the power of His Word. Are you telling me that that statement somehow, somehow can be argued that Jesus is not God? He just kind of looks like God. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> no, 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 no. The exact representation, meaning, is God. Not a copy of God. You can't make a copy of God. <laughs> it's not like you copy and paste an image into the world of who God is. No. You can't do that with God. You can do that on your computer. And so there's no other way to know God except through Jesus. If Jesus is not God, if Jesus is not divine, then we are still separated from God. Because Jesus said that nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, 6. Nobody comes to the Father but me. Except through me. He said that about himself. So, look, you want to deny that Jesus is divine, okay, you're free to do that, but you are separated from God because He's the only way to the Father. There are not many ways to God. There's not many ways to God. There's only one. is through Jesus Christ. Any teaching that makes Jesus less than God in human flesh is not teaching of Jesus Himself or of Paul, or the other apostles. Christ alone is preeminent over all the universe because He alone 
is the image of the invisible God. Okay, I went too fast there. <laughs> Any teaching that makes Jesus less than God is not biblical teaching. Any teaching that tries to make Jesus less than God is not biblical teaching and ultimately leads to bondage because you're still separated from God. Only in Jesus do we meet the Father. Are we reconciled to the Father? Because He is the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Oh man, I could just go on. The book of Hebrews, right? That beautiful language saying that He offered the perfect sacrifice in the heavenly realm because He was sinless and perfect as the Son of God. He offered Himself His own blood so that we could be made right with God and He intercedes for us as the high priest day and night saying, He's in me. He's okay. I've covered Him. The blood covers. That's who Jesus is. Alright, so are you, act, are you seeking to access God through any means other than Jesus? It's a futile effort. Are you trying to access God through any means other than Jesus? Through, you know, the spiritual disciplines are good. Prayer, right? Read the Bible, pray, take communion, go to church, sing worship songs, fast. The spiritual disciplines are really good. But there's a lot of people who have practiced those disciplines their whole life. Uh, but, but they still don't know God because it's only through Jesus. Those things are supposed to lead us to Jesus. And when we meet Jesus, then we are made right with God. All right. Another verse, uh, I mean, as I, as I was studying this, I mean, they just kept popping up how... Uh, other scriptures throughout the Bible support what Paul is claiming here. No one has ever seen God. This is John uh, 1.18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made Him known. Okay. So that was point number one out of verse 15. Uh, point number one took me almost 20 minutes. So let's move on. That if, you, if Jesus is not God, then we are still se separated from God. Because it's only through Jesus that we can meet the Father. Verse 16, if Jesus... Okay, so then we're moving on to verse 16 where Paul moves to this idea of creation because the argument was that Jesus was a created being. Okay? Uh, so he, Jesus essentially was a better creation than Adam. And so... You know, we're supposed to try to replicate Jesus to sort of imitate that better creation. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. Jesus is not a created being. He is actually the creator. Jesus is the creator. So, verse 16, if Jesus is the creator, then we should worship Him and not the creation. So, if Jesus is a created being then really, what's to prevent us from worshiping anything else that's created? Okay? If Jesus is a created being, then we, you know, we, we could just take that and run with it. Well, you know, this is, you know, this angel's pretty powerful too. I'll worship this angel. Then, 
you know, just opens the door for anything to happen. So in this verse, Paul is combating the popular teaching that Jesus is a created being, not equivalent with God. Okay, and now Jehovah's Witnesses, and look, I'm not trying to pick on people. I'm sure they're great. There's a lot of really nice people out there who are Jehovah's Witnesses. Okay, but they don't believe that Jesus is God. They believe that he's a created being. And so their translation of the Bible inserts the word other in the text, saying, for by him were all other things created. It's not there in any Greek manuscript. But they insert that word. For by him were all other things created. No. The text is actually, for by him all things were created. <laughs> you know? It's clear that Jesus is presented here by Paul as the creator. Jesus has creative power. And therefore, Jesus has all authority over creation. The wind and the waves obey him. The fig tree withers. Leprosy is immediately healed in his presence. And so Jesus demands our worship because he is over all creation. And so the call here by Paul is that we worship the creator, not a created being. And nothing in this world or any spirit... Because that... I'm sorry, I, I meant to say a little earlier that that was one of the struggles is that, is that they were being taught, these Colossian Christians were being taught to worship angels. And so there, there was a competition of who to worship. And if Jesus is another created, is a created being, even though he's pretty powerful, all these, these other ones are pretty powerful too, and you should worship these, this angel and that angel. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. There's no competition here. We don't worship creation. We worship the Creator, the one above all of us. Verse 17, in terms of time, Jesus has always existed. And all creation is held together by Jesus. Verse 17, where it says, For He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. So John 1, uh, uh, the Gospel of John, those beautiful words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Okay, So Jesus has always existed. That's another argument by Paul to say that, that Jesus existed in time long before creation even came. In, in fact, He has always existed. The preexistence of Christ. That's another argument. Uh, very important theological uh, point there. And all things are held together by Him. In other words, uh, if, if through Jesus, all of creation is, is being held together. And then it says in the book of Revelation, ch chapter 19, that when He finally returns in all of His glory, heaven and earth flee before Him. In other, thing, in other words, everything that has ever been created just comes unraveled in His presence because it's time for the new creation. So then Paul sort of, sort of uh, shifts gears in verse 18 a little bit. And I've got a few minutes to finish this, these next two verses because he establishes the concept that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, right? The firstborn of every creature or the creator of all things. And that he, he has creative power and all of creation holds together for him. But then in verse, the next two verses, 
he really, or in verse 18 especially, he says that the church actually is held together and that he is the, also the head of the church. So Paul sort of begins to personalize this a little more to the body of Christ. And if you remember in what we call the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, it's a very important verse where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so once he makes that statement, he says, So now you go and spread the gospel throughout all the world, baptizing teaching people to obey everything I command, and he gives the Great Commission. But he gives the Great Commission based on his authority, and so then he delegates or shares that authority with the apostles, and then from that moment, church structure begins. (laughs) Church leadership begins to be established. But it all comes to Jesus. And so Jesus is the single focal point for all authority in the body of Christ. And so all teaching, all leadership, all governance, all organizational entities throughout the entire world are under the authority of Jesus. That's the value of that verse in, I think it's uh, 2819. I could be wrong about that, but it's, it's the end of, end of uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. All governance, all, all church organizations, all of our efforts to you know, be really good at church organizations, it's all under the authority of Jesus. So if, if the divinity of Jesus and authority of Jesus is denied, then Christianity just falls apart. We're, there's not one body that's under the authority of Jesus. It's many, many bodies just doing whatever they want. But that's not the vision that God has, and that's not what we see in the Bible. So, let me ask you a question. We are, when you are listening to spiritual leaders teach and do Bible studies, ask these questions. Do they uphold the divinity of Jesus? Do you get hints that they are sort of questioning the divinity of Jesus? Do they validate the creative power of Jesus? Do they submit to the authority of Jesus as the head over all the church? If no, then watch out. You know, something's not right if you begin to see that. And it's out there. I I heard some mm mm-hmm's in the room. It's out there. Spiritual leaders, evangelical Christian leaders, bishops, district superintendents, pastors, elders on elders, Okay, who do question the divinity of Jesus, question His creative power, do not see Him as the head over the church that has all authority over the body of Christ and they're accountable to Jesus. In other words, they're accountable to themselves. And so they're able to do what they want to do. And when that begins to take place, Hit your knees. (laughs) Pray for the church. Pray that God would save your denomination. Pray that God would move in power to remove leaders who are not valuing the person and work of Jesus Christ 
and who are trying to force an agenda on people to make money or to gain power. Because that's really what it boils down to in the end, honestly. But you know what? God will keep your souls. And God will give you wisdom and direction to see that. Not that, not that, we're, not that we're looking for evil people under every bush and trying to, and, be, and assuming that pastors you know, are out to get you, anything like that. But as a Christian, as a, as a student of the Word, be looking out for that. So that when it comes, you can say, I need to pray for that pastor. Because they're starting to go down a path that's going to lead to no good. God, would you convict them? Would you reveal yourself to them that you are the Son of God? You are divine. You are the exact representation of the Father. Only through you, Jesus, can we be made right with God. Reveal yourself to them so they be convicted and they change God. It could happen. It could happen. One moment of seeing Jesus making that pastor hit the floor, their lives be changed forever. It could happen. So don't give up on a pastor who's struggling, but also look out. Amen? Okay, that's my Bible study this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. May the Lord be with you and bless you as you spend time with family. And uh, just, you know, overdo it a little bit, but not so much that you sin. And uh, pace yourself, you know. <laughs> Go for a nice walk. <laughs> and we'll see you soon, okay? God bless you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Love you all. Bye-bye. Clamando no escuro, correndo e olhando para trás. E eu o vejo de coração aberto para receber o pecador. Brilha a luz que é no meu
brilha a luz que é no mundo meu viver. 